The Olympic Channel podcast is brought to you by Bridgestone, worldwide Olympic and Paralympic partner, a founding partner of the Olympic Channel. Olympic Channel podcast. My name is Ed Knowles and this is the official Olympic Channel podcast. Jenny Simpson is quite simply one of the most exciting runners to watch out there. She's represented USA at three Olympic Games and she came home from Rio 2016 with a bronze medal in the 1500 meters. She's a world champion who has also lost a shoe during a world championship final in 2015. She is aiming to qualify for the 1500 meters at the Olympics in Tokyo this year. So Jenny, how are you? I'm doing all right. I, I'm, it's, it's weird times, but I'm, I'm doing okay. I absolutely love running. I'm a terrible runner, but I love it. How did you find running and are you similarly addicted? Well, the first thing I would say is that I doubt that you're terrible because I like to tell people if you love it and you do it in a healthy way, then that means you're good at it. Uh, the other version that people think is, oh, I'm good at running means that I'm fast at running. And uh, that would be really unfair to peg onto an ultra marathoner, right? They can be really great and successful without being fast. Uh, and, and, you know, 100 meter uh, female runners are faster than 100 meter hurdlers uh, only because there's not hurdles in the way. So fast is not the only dimension on which we judge whether you're good or not. Um, and, uh, and so I think, I think you're probably really great at it, especially uh, given how much you love it. Um, and so that's, that really is the, the, uh, foundation on which, um, my, I'm really grateful that my running experience has been built is that, um, I was an elementary school kid. I, uh, changed schools. We moved across the country and changed schools, uh, when I was, uh, in third grade. And so, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, we move, it's a whole new scene. Kids are halfway through school. They already have all their friends and kind of have their groups established. And so I march in as a brand new kid. And um, it's hard to imagine me being shy, but uh, as a third grader, circumstances were different. Uh, and there was a PE teacher who saw how much I loved running around and out at recess and suggested that I join their little running program. And honestly, from then on, running was the only sport I was really interested in. Um, and I don't think it was because I was particularly good at it from the beginning. It was just where, um, it's where an adult in my life showed an interest in me. And that's just a really powerful thing for a kid to have an adult say, Hey, I think you can be good at this. Uh, and so I just really, uh, accepted that challenge and, and, and did it every year. And then by the time I got to high school, I was pretty good at it. Um, so again, I mean, it just comes down to where's your community and your social circle. And, uh, and that's where I found mine. And I just turned out to be, uh, particularly good at it after a few years. I think that's really interesting because sometimes you think that all Olympians come out of like their little dinosaur shell, you know, like fully formed and like kind of like, right, I'm here. I'm here to like, you know, compete and I'm amazing. And actually that's not the case, right? It's like, there's a lot of stages on the way. There's like mini journey. It just was, wasn't even so like, fast or elite or all of these things you know there was processes in order to get to that to that level I'm, I mean for someone starting out you know like 
what words would you say that would encourage them? Yeah, over the years, a number of my family members have tried running and started running and and come to enjoy it as a result of just watching me and be like, what is this weird... What is this weird daughter and child and sister of ours that is out, you know, logging all these miles? Uh, what's possessed her? Um, and so I, I do have a lot, a lot of beginner and new runners in my life. And one of the very like crucial things that I try to encourage everyone that's trying this for the first time is at the beginning, like try to get through a month of misery you know, go out and run every, you know, every other day or every, you know, three or four days in a row and just try as much as you can to really commit to it for a month before you give up on it. Because there is this phase at the very beginning that is that your body just really rejects that initial kind of off the couch onto, um, into the run. And if you take it, you know, a walk jog and then 10 minutes at a time and then 20 minutes at a time, it's still really hard. It's, it's still, it's still hard on your body. But once you kind of break through that initial, um, uh, I don't know that initial step of like your body kind of getting callous to the actual running part. It's so strange. I think it's the same experience for elites too, when they take, you know, a a two or three or four week break, and then they come back to training. It's miserable for a certain period of time. That's never longer than a month. And then suddenly one day you head out and you realize you're a mile into your run and you've been thinking about something else and the weather is great and you're happy and it's not very hard. And so I just really, my hope for everyone is that they experience that before they give up on it. Um, because the people that say, Oh, I've tried running and it's terrible and I don't understand what you see in it. I always suspect they probably just never had that run that, that they were fit enough that it was easy and it was fun and they were able to kind of take their mind to a different place. Yeah. I mean, I, I lost somewhere in, in my twenties, like what I was doing in terms of physical education, you know, and it was just cause life got in the way funny hours after a while like I started to be able to do other things that I didn't think you know like I wouldn't get out of breath or I'd be I'd fancy doing something later when I didn't you know because I had more energy and I think there's lots of knock-on effects of just putting one foot in front of the other and going outside there's a day in running and I promise this exists for everyone where you come to the fork in the road and you see that if you turn right, it's slightly downhill, or if you turn left, it's slightly uphill. And there's a day where you, you want to choose the slightly uphill because you just feel that energy that you're, you're really ready to take on a challenge. Um, and I promise that exists in everyone and you, but you have to earn it. You have to get out and get to a certain kind of base level, a foundation of fitness, um, before you experience that, but it wouldn't be so energizing if it didn't take some time to get there. So, um, stick with it, no matter how hard it is the first, second, third day, stick with it. I promise, I promise it's worth it. I think another thing is that, like someone said to me, and I think this really helped, I used to go out and I used to go like hell for leather every single time. I realized that that was such a strange thing to do. Like, you know, like, what? You you don't do this in any other part of your life. Like, it's just suddenly start. People make, like, really understandable misconceptions or mistakes about something that's so simple as running. And when you're in it, you can't imagine how people can um, misunderstand how 
this works. I mean, it seems to me so obvious because I've been doing it forever. You go out, you have easy days, you have hard days, you start out slower on your easy days, on your hard days, you have to warm up before you go hard. Like there's all these things that are just really intuitive because it's just an everyday part of my life. But I am constantly reminded that it's not so straightforward if you've never done it before. And one really good example in a story I love to tell is that my brother started running and he's, he's, he's pretty good. I'm, I'm always like really impressed with the fitness level he's able to get to. And I always think, I wonder what kind of runner if, you know, he would have been if he had started when I did, but he started as an adult and without like asking for a ton of direction, I found out, you know, a few months later, he was going out and he would run a mile as hard as he could and kind of like you were describing, but then when he could run a mile pretty, pretty well, he would go out and then he'd run two miles and then he'd run two miles and then two and then three and three. And he was up to running 10 miles and he didn't know that like you can run five miles, you can run three. You don't have to run your furthest run of your life every time you go out. So it's stuff like that that is a little bit funny, but also kind of important. Plug in to somebody that knows what they're doing, go to a local running store, you know, figure out uh, a a group to join and, and you'll learn quickly. It is the Olympic Channel podcast, so we should talk about the Olympics. And 2008 was, I think if we look back now, seems a lot longer than 12 years ago, right? You know, the world was 100% completely different. And I guess for you, when you're so young, getting your Team USA kit, everyone taking your picture, it's a dream come true. I'm on the plane, it's really far, it's Beijing. How did that shape you as a, as a person, as an athlete? There's so many things when I close my eyes and think about 2008 that just like you said, it was a completely different world and I was a completely different, younger, um, you know, person. Um, and there's a couple of really wonderful things. First of all, I was still in college. And so uh, I didn't have what can sometimes be the entanglements of professional running. I didn't have an agent. I wasn't making any money. I was going to university every day and I made the Olympic team. And, and so the, the joy of receiving my USA kit was like, this is one of the first times ever I've, I've gotten this big box full of stuff. Um, and, and all kinds of, you know, perks and goodies that come along with being, um, on team USA. And so all of that kind of had an even extra kind of element of privilege and joy because, uh, I wasn't a professional runner. I was just a kid in college. Um, and you know, to be accepted and, and, you know, rightfully, uh, earn that spot, uh, next to the legends of our sport in the U S and legends of the sport across the international running community. Um, it felt really special. It felt like how, how, you know, how could this possibly be me? Um, and then on the personal side, uh, I had never been to China before. I'd only been out of the country a few times. So, uh, a total novice when it comes to that kind of travel. And I remember I got on the airplane and I headed over with a mix CD that was made by uh, a boyfriend of mine at the time, uh, a brand new, fresh, exciting new boyfriend who a few years later I ended up marrying and is now my husband. 
Um, so it's funny. I mean, I hear some of the music from, I mean, people don't even make mixtapes anymore, you know? Uh, and, and I hear, you know, some of those musics or some of those songs on, uh, throwback radio stations or something, <laughs> cause now they're old <laughs> and it just takes me to that time where I'm headed to Asia on an airplane, uh, you know, excited about this young new relationship and this, in this young new career, um, and, and it's a good feeling. Beijing is like the start of my journalistic career as well. Like that was my first summer working. And so a lot of your like points, uh, I share them, you know, like of the, those, those big events and the world championships in 2011, uh, there was, I was still not good enough to go, you know, like as a journalist, still trying to figure that out. But I remember it was at such a perfect time because I would get into work at like early and just watch it all day. I was like, how is this a job? This is amazing, you know? And uh, even three years in. So, and I loved 2011. And so I treated myself to that. So exciting, even though I knew the, what was going to happen. So exciting. How many, do you indulge yourself? I still, on occasion, will watch that race. And I still like find myself like, like anxious and nervous that it turns out the way that I, that I remember it does. <laughs> and it's so funny too, because I was just talking to my dad about this. He was asking me if I ever watch um, old uh, YouTube videos of my races. And I, I really don't watch them very often. And I think part of that is that I'm still training and still racing. And so um, to me, it doesn't feel nearly as nostalgic as I anticipate it will feel someday in the future when I'm retired and I can't race anymore. Um, but I was telling him that it's funny when I watch um, the races like like as they were broadcast because it doesn't match my memory of the race myself because I have such a different view of it. And so um, it's it's good and it's awesome to have that time capsule and be able to watch how it unfolded. But especially a race like um, like 2011 where I'm hanging back and kind of behind for so long. There's so much that's happening in the front that I wasn't even aware of um, when, you know, cause I couldn't see it. Cause I'm like in ninth place <laughs> with 400 meters to go or something like that. Um, and then as I'm like making this progression up near the front, there's this like, um, I don't know, just this like incremental progress that I'm making in my head and as I'm racing. But if you're watching as a spectator, you, you, you have so much more anticipation and hope that I'm going to win. And that wasn't going through my head. You know, you're just more like taking, um, the step that's right in front of you and, and, and passing the person that's right in front of you. So, um, so I, I don't know that I can say that I saw winning. I, well, I know that I can say I didn't see winning coming to me the way that I think you could if you were watching from the stands or you were watching from the broadcast. So there's so many different ways where the perspective on the broadcast is so incredibly different. And plus you have the narration of the broadcasters kind of, you know, telling you what's going on. And when you're the one racing, all you have is that internal dialogue of, of hope and doubt that are battling it out. And, uh, and that's not being broadcast. So it's a really different, different experience. And so even though it's fun to, to have that and to watch it, the truth is the very, very best memories and the best video is when I close my eyes and I, I relive what I remember of it. It 
doing that in 2011, I think you peak just at the right time, right? I don't, I don't know. Daley Thompson always says this thing about there's, you, you actually become elite. You know, like there's a moment where you look around and you go, you know, what? I belong here, actually. And, and was, you know, I guess that happened in that, in that race. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. As I said, I didn't win the U.S. championships that year. So there was an argument to be said that I, I until, until the world championships, I wasn't that year even the best American, much less the best in the world. And um, I think, it, you know, there's now that I'm older and I'm not, you know, in my 20s anymore, um, you do, I do now appreciate to a degree what I didn't appreciate when I was younger, that the reason that young developing athletes are such an incredible threat to someone like me <laughs> is that yeah. you never know when they're going to take these big jumps and have these breakthroughs. And it's kind of like all of this practice and all of this training and all of this development kind of um, adds up and bubbles up and then it breaks through. It can, it sometimes does really break through in a moment. And I think that that happened for me when I ran 359 at Prefontaine. I think that happened for me in 2011 uh, when I won the world championships. And I think I've had other moments like that. But those moments happen in a grander fashion. And I think to a, with a larger margin of, of gain when you're younger, um, because you just have this incredibly, um, this incredible ability to kind of build up um, adaptation and development and, and you just haven't had a chance to show it yet. Um, and, and haven't had it challenged at kind of the extreme level yet. I mean, at this point I've been challenged to an extreme degree in the 1500 meters, like dozens of times. So what I'm capable of, we've seen, you know, um, it's, it's unlikely I'm going to, I'm going to have, you know, some 1500 meters that's, that's way off the charts, like, like what happened in 2009 and 2011. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think when it comes to specifically that race in 2011, somebody paid me this compliment and I, it's, it's, it's been on my mind over the years that there's, you know, there's people that, that can run faster than other people. You know, there's, there's even people in the 1500 where when I was, maybe not when I was at my best, but at different years, kind of given what I knew I was capable of going in, I thought if they run flat out the entire way, I don't know that I can catch them because they're really, really, really fast. But when the race becomes tactical, there are people that are just really good at winning. And I, somebody complimented me in that way after 2011, that if it was going to be a toss up between 12 runners, you were going to pull it off. And that's a real, that's a real talent. Um, and that's the talent that I think I have. And, and we haven't quite gotten there. So I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I think that's the case in 2017, uh, that there, there were probably six or seven or eight people that could have medaled that day. And if it wasn't going to be a race, you know, so far out of, of my physical ability wheelhouse, I was going to be dangerous. And, and so that's something that I've really, since that person complimented me in that way, I've really um, clung to that and thought, how can I continue to develop that kind of killer instinct and say, if they give me any chance at all, uh, I'm going to be there and I'm going to be hard to beat. People can work on that, but I do feel like that's something you've either got or you haven't got. Like, you know, that is, uh, it feels innate, that kind of thing, you know. So 
good for you for having it. And that's why it makes it so exciting. That's why I say exciting, when, you know, to watch because you just don't know. Uh, you mentioned 2017 there. You know, full disclosure, 2015, I was actually good enough to go. And I, I did, was in Beijing. So I did get my... Yeah, I, um, Sadly, I do remember you walking around with one, one shoe on and one shoe off. And 2016, getting the Olympic bronze medal. I mean, those two summers are so, um, so different. And then, like you mentioned, in, in 2017, it's such like three years of turmoil in a way. It's like, it's all over the, it's all over the place emotionally. I mean, do you look back now as we've had a bit of time off about these last few years and just realise... I guess it's quite traumatic being through all of those, you know, like all of those ups and downs as well. You know, I look back on those three years specifically and I think, well, and and actually to back up one more year in 2014, I was number one in the world and I won the Diamond League that year. So I go from number one in the world, winning the Diamond League, losing my shoe at the world championships and then winning a bronze medal and then winning a silver medal. So it was just a stretch of just crazy ups and downs. Um, but I, I do, I look back on those years and actually it's so funny. Just a few days ago, I took, uh, my running journals off the shelf and was kind of flipping through 2014, 2015 and 2016, um, just kind of training wise, what was going on and kind of reliving it a little bit. And I think I can't, I'm, I'm grateful for those years, even the lows, because I'm going to finish my career at some point someday. And I'm, I'm going to know I felt it all. Like I felt it all, I experienced it all. I had um, the surprises, I had the anticipated victories and then was able to pull them off. Um, and, and I also had the real surprise tragedies, you know? Um, but I, I, I think I have, first of all, I have excellent coaches and, and a wonderful kind of um, loving group in, you know, small inner circle around me. Um, that has kind of helped me stay even through all of that stuff. So it doesn't feel quite as much of a roller coaster as it looks like uh, in ink. Um, and so that's really good. It's good to come off the track on your worst day and know um, there's going to be another race and I'm going to have another chance. And it's, and it's also equally as good to come off a really, really high, high, um, a really good day and say, this, this, this is just a result of all the work we've been doing for a really long time. This one day doesn't, you know, doesn't change. It's just been an accumulation of a lot of hard work. Um, one of the things I'm really proud of is that after I medaled in, uh, 2016, I think it was just a week later. Um, I was in, I think we were racing in Paris. There was another 1500 meters. Yeah. It was a week later. Um, and I still ran like 358, and so to be able to double back after all the excitement and, and crazy, you know, circus of being a, a USA Olympic athlete that medals, uh, I was still able to perform a week later, an ocean away. Um, so I, I think that's a testament to my whole team of people around me that, that kind of helped me stay grounded and help me remember what my goals are and stuff like that. Um, but I'm going to walk away from this sport and I'm going to have a, a lot of experiences, a lot of uh, stories to tell, and I'm not going to feel like I missed out on anything. <laughs> the Olympics has this kind of grand goal to kind of bring people together. And actually, it's going to be really hard to bring people together for a lot of reasons in 2021, be it the pandemic, 
be it the way that it seems that certain areas of our life have schismed really far away from each other. And I just wonder what you thought about how maybe sport does have the power to bring people together and, 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 you know, I, you don't seem like the cynical type, you know, do we, do, do, should we be a bit more optimistic about, you know, finally bringing the world together to celebrate something amazing? My whole entire career has been about the pursuit of how good can Jenny Simpson be at something? How good can I be? How, how much can I strip away in the rest of my life in order to really focus and simplify my life towards one singular goal of being the best, you know, elite runner possible. And seeing me get the best out of myself is the greatest reward through the course of my career. When I put on a USA uniform, that then expands into how can we be the best team possible? And I'm one cog in that wheel of, of and, and one, hopefully one medal on that medal count. And then I, so, so being the individual trying to get the best out of myself, being the Team USA athlete, trying to bring the best home uh, to our viewers in the United States. Cause when you turn on that channel, you gotta, you gotta cheer for that uniform. Um, I, I think this now has kind of, taken that circle out to a greater degree, to a global level of how, how good can we be as, as a global community? And I think the Olympics is perfectly positioned to be the place where we really champion, champion that pursuit. Um, politics has been exhausting. The pandemic has been exhausting. I mean, public health is so important. Our government and institutions and how we interact with one another are so important. But we are exhausted and we're, we're battered. I mean, all across the globe. And, and so I understand the sentiment of like us all coming together. But even greater and more important than that is us coming together to see how great we can be. And, and it's not a competition of kindness. It's going to be a competition of excellence. And I'm really excited. I mean, I get chills thinking about it. I want to be a part of that. I just did too. Yeah, that's got me fired up. Got me tingly. Yeah, of course. This uh, sport has the power to make us all better, the people watching and the people participating. So uh, I'm glad that, that you get that through this experience. <laughs> Thank you. Olympic, Olympic Channel, Channel Podcast. Right, that's it. Big thanks to Jenny. She is track Jenny on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Eddie Knowles with the Nine and E, and we are Olympic Channel across all social media. Okay, stay safe, stronger together, and we'll see you very soon. Think, Think. like an Olympian. Olympian.